Hello there, I'm Niall Brown, and I'd like to welcome you to this Movies in Focus podcast. Director Damien McCarthy has made a plethora of short films over the last decade, and now the Irish filmmaker makes a wonderful feature-length debut with Caveat. It's a creepy and captivating horror film, one which has scares as well as a few well-placed chuckles. This low-budget independent Irish film delivers the goods, making it a fantastic calling card for its director and ensuring a great time for its audience. Damien joined the Movies and Focus podcast to talk about how he made the micro-budget horror and what it's like to finish the film and have it make its premiere on Shudder. As always, I hope you enjoy our chat. Hi Damien. Hi Niall, how are you doing? Not too bad. Uh, thanks Great. for your time today. Thank you very much. I love the movie, by the way. I, uh, I was terrified and I was laughing the whole way through it. How did the film come about? So I had made, uh, and thank you, it's, I like to hear that you, you found it uh, you found it a little bit funny as well. That's great. So I had made a number of uh, short films that were uh, the same kind of thing. It was a little bit of a, a dark dark comedy, um, you know, that fine line between comedy and horror. Uh, but they were very simple. They were two-dimensional two dimensional characters, na- nameless, nameless characters, uh, uh, really just a horror set piece uh, for usually seven or eight minutes. And um, and that was it. And they did very well for me. They, they traveled to film festivals. And uh, but the idea was always obviously to move to a feature film. So when it came time to move to a feature, I wanted to see if I could, I guess, replicate what I'd done with my short films and not stray completely from it. So I guess really the film started with uh, uh, taking a lot of set pieces I had in my head or uh, images that I thought would be interesting or that would look great on screen and do my best to tell a story uh, visually. And uh, and again, and with what I had at my disposal, because we really had no financing, or we, you know, it's with such a little budget to make the film that, um, that it really that's where it all started. Well, that's, I mean, it's obviously a low budget, but the, the, the amount of production value you, you, you got out of the, the location, presumably that was a real house and, and everything in it. Uh, so I think what I'd say about 70%, maybe 70 80% of what you're seeing on screen is set. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually, yeah, so it, but it just it. it it came together really well. Like we did take our time to, to plan out, um, you know, what exactly we'd be filming. Everything was storyboarded. Uh, we put a lot of time into uh, thinking about the lighting and the look of the film and really trying to sell it as this old house that would be on this island. It's very, you know, moldy and uh, weather beaten over the years. Um, now, I had looked at a lot of existing locations that uh, that we thought maybe we could film in, like old abandoned houses here in, in Cork, where I'm from. But uh, just the practicalities of it, they were either too remote or there was a, you know, rat infested or there was always some problem with it. You couldn't really ask a crew to work in. So, so it really came down to building it and, and it worked out fine. Yeah, I mean, it, it's brilliant. And the location, like I said, I actually thought it was, a, a, you know, a totally real building. So uh, you had me film mm-hmm. that. It's, it's almost <laughs> a timeless ghost story like a gothic ghost story yet it's set Hmm. you know in present and apart from the use of a telephone it could be you know anytime were you tempted to set it in the past or was it always a contemporary piece i've never done that and it's it has only been pointed out to me um in the last since since the film is starting to come out now and i'm reading about the film and what people are saying about it um i've never tried to set any of the films really in a in a specific time um it's really come down to just a choice of uh, of props and costume and even location. And I just don't really find anything interesting about uh, 
technology anyway. I mean, if you could have a scene, of course, where the guy gets to the island and he says, oh, takes out his phone and there's there's no coverage. But it's like, who cares? I mean, in, in two years, that phone is going to be, you know, the film's going to be so dated then anyway, because your phone will have, you know, it'll have changed by then. Um, I've just always tried to avoid technology really of any kind in the films. And it just looks, um, for me, it just looks more interesting and makes, it gives the film, I guess, kind of a weird feeling then because you're saying, when is this set? I, I have no idea when when this is supposed to be. Um, it's not really something I've ever, I suppose, done intentionally. It's always just, what do I think looks interesting and, and put that in without it being too strange, obviously. Yeah, it, it does. It helps give it another worldly quality that, you know, like mm. you said, once you start whipping out, you know, mobile phones and computers, that that sort of takes away from the core of the story, which is just, you know, two people trapped on an island together and weird yeah. things are happening. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of which, the cast, how did, how did you, you, you cast the film? Uh, I was very lucky with my cast. So we put the film together quite quickly. It seemed to be that our, um, that we, a small bit of financing that, that we needed came available. Of course, it was a lot for us because we never had any, any money to make a film. So it was a case of putting the, putting the script together very quickly with, um, with stuff that I had already written and trying to, trying to get it to fit this budget. And then it was really just sending out the script to, uh, to actors that I, thought looked interest, interesting or, or that would that would that would um that would fit the part so jonathan french and lila sykes they hadn't really done much it was short films i, I guess the same as myself really they were just starting out in, in the business and um they hadn't done much but just uh but they were perfect for it i, I was ver very very lucky with them because i knew that like the, their look was going to be very important because there's such long stretches that don't have any dialogue and it's really the story being told just through the actor's physicality or uh, expressing it through their eyes um, and then Ben, I guess, probably has the most dialogue in the film. He's the guy who sets it up and, uh, and who's our, our villain, uh, who's our villain, essentially. And uh, I was very lucky with Ben because Ben, ben has had a lot of experience then. He's been a lot of plays and movies and TV shows. So uh, I was delighted that he came on board and even just just a, a, a great guy to work with. Uh, you know, he allowed me to pick his brain and things like this. So it was, it was good. Yeah, no, I, I thought the cast... Uh was phenomenal and he was a great villain because yeah he he, he was almost plausible enough to get mm. him on the island you know i know yeah yeah, yeah. but he does try every tact every time i mean he goes from uh you know he goes from being charming to, to trying to bully him into it threatening it's uh, it's funny i mean I, I think he did a great job with it i see the bunny on the the bookcase hey. behind you yeah <laughs> yeah so, how did that get up there <laughs> yeah how did, how did that prop come about so um what i did was i i had i had just i had an old uh, uh, uh drumming bunny at home i tried to do it myself i tried to uh you know, tried to make this thing look scary for the film mine looked ridiculous so i brought it to uh, a woman here in cork who's uh, who works in theater she designs props and costumes and i brought in a lot of old pictures as well from um the old alice in wonderland movie it's a, a movie from uh, it's from Czech, uh, I think it's 1988. And this, um, and in that they use a lot of stop motion for the animals, the Mad Hatter, the bunny. And um, basically just told her it was something like that I was going for, but uh, but kind of add 20 years of decay on top of it. And she was like, okay, let, let me give it a go. And she came back with this and it was um, it was brilliant. It, it, it blew me away. She did an incredible job. That's uh, Lisa Zagone in Cork. She's very talented. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a wonderfully creepy prop. And also the painting mm. that you have in the film, again, where did, where did that come from? Because there must have been a couple of versions of that. 
Yeah, so that was, again, I mean, it's a lot of these horror tropes that I'd seen in other films that I was hoping to maybe put my own angle on them. Uh, you know, the haunted painting, the the, the, haunted, the haunted toys, the spooky basement, all this stuff. Uh, the painting was done by um, a, a Spanish painter, uh, David Casamayor, uh, from Madrid. And I had, my girlfriend's from Madrid, so uh, she'd put me in touch with him and I talked to him about it and just told him what I was trying to do. And it would have to be two paintings because the painting uh, changes, you know, changes its facial expression. And uh, yeah, again, I was just very lucky. He just nailed it. He said, what about this? And he did another, one more painting as well where this uh, woman's being uh, torn apart by foxes. It's the old faded painting in the room. Um, yeah, again, he, he really got on board with that idea that it's decayed and it's old and maybe it's not too clear exactly what's going on in the in these paintings. Um, but yeah, a lot of this is luck with these people you find to help you. Yeah, I mean, and it, and it just adds production value to, to what you've Oh, it does. You know? Yeah. And and that's a great scene with the painting, I have to say, where it's, mm. it, you know, it, it, it's one of those funny scenes that, you know, there's the scene with that, and then there's the scene with the, the hat, which without giving too many spoilers away, which... That's great. I'm so I'm actually I'm so happy to hear you say that you find them funny because I do too because I think it's that kind of it's that nervous laughter because and what sells it is Jonathan I mean Jonathan the actor he plays it so straight I mean he look what's happening is ridiculous like, you know from a you know, real world point of view I mean it's quite yeah. I'm sure if you're in that situation it's terrifying but he plays it so so um, so serious that it, it actually works again it, it works you know with what's happening that's so absurd he really it, sells it it's, it, it makes makes me laugh yeah I, I yeah. did I did have a chuckle out loud during that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it was sort of just dark and twisted enough to to make it funny. Mm. And I have to to say, what the the, the finger breaking scene was that a yes. up to Blade Runner? It more than likely was. I'm sure everything is in there subconsciously. I've been watching Blade Runner for you know whatever thirty years or so. So yeah, um, I guess it was. I, I've and it's funny because since that I've seen it done more. There's Macon um, Blair made this brilliant film on Netflix called. Uh, uh, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. And there's this really grisly uh, scene where, her, where she gets her fingers broken. So I'm starting to see it pop up more now. Um, but yeah, I guess originally Blade Runner, of course. Yeah, because yeah, you, you have you know some, some somebody's hand is right there, and they can you know they have you. That's and it, it was an eye watering moment. It, it, you could really feel that break as well, especially when he's he's also popping it back on again. So it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You you, you 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 went far enough without it being too gory, which is always good because it, the whole film very subtly subtle in tone. Mm. Yeah, it was trying to avoid that violence because I guess if if you just if you were to see an image of the film, you might think, oh, it's going to be like a torture movie or something like this because it's a guy in a leather harness with a long chain. But again, we tried to do that with the um, with our lighting. You know, we tried to avoid any real greens and reds and any this more extreme color and try to light it more like it's a like it's an old uh, haunt, like it's a, a haunted house movie or like a ghost story. Yeah. But yeah, I, I thought just like you said, the, the tone and the cinematography is fantastic in it as well. Mm -hmm. how, how, how did you go about getting the, the visuals and your, your cinematographer? So Kieran Fitzgerald was a cinematographer. And he, Kieran's from Cork here as well. Uh, he's also a, a color gradist and he did the grade on this. So, it was, um, so he knew how far he could push uh, the dark. I guess, like he knew, uh, you know, he could bring these things right to their limit before it becomes completely underexposed. Uh, we talked a lot before about, um, I guess, what we really didn't want to do. So I had a lot of images of like, I never want to see it look like this because then it'll lead people to think it's this type of film. And there was a lot of, this is the kind of feeling we're going for. That This is the, uh, this is our color palette. 
this is the feeling that we're trying to get across with it. And um, yeah, he he just got it. He was, he was excellent to work with. And you also edited the film. So how do, yeah. how do you go about editing a horror film in order to make it scary? What what how how do you know it's scary even though you've seen that footage a million times cutting it together? I, I imagine it's the same as comedy. I mean, after a while, it's it's just not scary anymore. Like I'd edited all my short films, so it's um a lot of it's just your your gut feeling. You go, I think a few frames here need to go, or this needs to come a little bit earlier, a little bit later. Um, but none of it's scary until you put on the sound. I mean, you can edit and go like, I think that works. I think that edits together, uh, you know, that edits together well enough to tell the story or to set up the, the, the horror set piece. And then you put your, you start putting your sound effects on top of it. And usually that's where I would start to change uh, the visual. Then again, you know, you can only go so far with the visual before yeah. you, uh, you got to start working with the sound. And I've always said anyway, that if a film's ever scary, you don't cover your eyes, turn off the sound. It's, it's not scary anymore then. That's it. And, and, there's so many creepy moments that are woven into it. And again, it's a, it's a great soundtrack and a, the, the sound design is mm -hmm. great as well, which, it, I mean, it, it all works as a package, which must be quite tough when you're an, an independent low-budget filmmaker trying to do that. What, what are the challenges that you face in order to make the best product that you possibly can? A lot of it's financing when you just don't have the you don't have the time or the money. So like we shot this in 2017, but I've spent the last, I mean, two and a half years, definitely a solid two years um, editing it and then doing sound design. And, um, you know, like you cut something and you send, you send it in to, I'm, I'm always working with like a, a low res versions of things. Um, so it was a very, very slow process. And of course I'm working a day job then as well. So you're trying to kind of do little bits as you go. Um, uh, sorry, what, what, was, what was the question? I've, I've lost it. The, the challenges of, of being a low-budget filmmaker and, and, and trying to get I, it together? I guess that's it, yeah. Um, it, it's really just, uh, it comes down to financing. Like if you could pay somebody like a, a block and say, okay, I need you for two months or whatever it's going to be. And then, you know, you can go in there and, and work with them every day, day in, day out and discuss it. But this was really done in in um, in fits and starts. I mean, you'd get a little bit done and then you'd have to wait for a while and then come back to it again. So for that, it was, that, that was quite a challenge. But I think that's just the nature of, of, of you know, low budget filmmaking. Um, you're, you know, you are relying on other people and you're, uh, you're trying to get the best people you can get. Um, uh, you know, and obviously you're trying to call in favors and this, but I was, again, I was with post-production, I was just very lucky as well. Uh, Richard Mitchell did the score and Richard's been, um, Richard's been a BAFTA member for uh, 30 years. He's worked on a lot of big, big budget um, movies, uh, but he was fantastic. He was really like, I don't think the film would be what it is without him. I mean, he was great for even ed story advice, editing, uh, everything right down. And obviously the score was his only job, but then he went above and beyond, I guess, because he, again, because we became friends and he liked me and, uh, but it really was uh, excellent to work with him. So if I ever, so if I do get to make another film, I, uh, you know, he'll be my go-to guy. Well, I, I imagine you will because the reviews for this have been really good and you're also getting a really good release, you know. Yeah. So what's it like, you know, now that you've made a feature film, doing all the publicity and knowing that it's going mm. to the audience, what, what's that like for you? It's very strange. I mean, I'm 40, you know, and I've, I've wanted to make a feature film since I was 15. You know, it's a long time wanting to do it. And then this film, I guess, did take, I would say, the bones of six years really tr working just to getting a, a feature film made um it's coming out now and 
I'm really happy that the reviews are good and that I, you know, I'm getting the chance to talk to people like yourself. And uh, uh, so we'll see tomorrow. I guess I hope that 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 it doesn't fall apart. That people still continue to like it once it goes on Shutter tomorrow, and that uh, that it, you know, that people find it an, an entertaining and scary ninety minutes. I mean, I'd, I'd I'd be happy with that. But it is a very entertaining and scary ninety minutes. I don't think you've got it. Any- <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you. I believe you. <laughs> and what's next for you? What what's going on? Your next project? Have you got something? Yeah, so it's great. I mean, I because you know producers and production companies and people like this have already seen the film. That I've, I'm I'm getting to have these meetings to discuss um, to discuss making another film. So really, I'm I'm I have a lot written. So it's really just to uh, just to see if I can find somebody to work with and and get it going. So I would hope that um yeah I, I would hope that happens soon. And are you still working on shorts, or is it, are you just going to sort of mainly look at features now that you're? Yeah, I think I think short films is really a way in. I, I would definitely advise anybody who wants to get into filmmaking to, to make short films. You even take a scene from your script and shoot that because you'll learn so much from it. And it's just uh, it's it's just a way to meet people um, to meet people that are going to help you make the feature film. I mean, Justin Hind, Hindsight Films, uh, Justin produced uh, Caveat, and Justin wanted to get into production and um, filmmaking after seeing my first film. He dies at the end way back in a, a fright fest in london right. so and again our, our distribution then led to uh, uh mpi contacting me to say that they had um seen that uh the guy who had made he dies at the end and uh and hatch they, they, these are two short films i made years ago that um the same director was now had a film called caveat and they were going to be in screen fest so they contacted me to say oh we're curious to take a look at it so short films are are really important for for um you know, to, to, to kind of to help you get along, to get a feature film made. Well, I'm glad it's all worked out really well. It's also great that you know, you're a fellow Irishman, so it, it's good, it's good <laughs> you're having success. Excellent. Thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I, I think it's going to be a sort of a, a big hit for you, so uh, I don't think you've got anything to worry about. I, yeah, it's so far. Yeah, it's so, so far so good. I mean, I, it's it's because, I mean, you know, you get kind of, you get, um, keep checking these reviews to see how it's doing and uh, but for the most part yeah it's, it's been really positive um and it is strange because uh, you, you said it earlier on that you know you work on something for so long how does it how does it stay fresh and how does it keep being scary and really you can imagine watching a film after you know three four years it loses you you, you lose any idea what the film is about or um or, or if it's scary or if it, if it makes any sense at all you know, so I think it, but I, I don't think that's unusual to me. I've heard a lot of filmmakers that say that it, it takes them a while even to watch, to watch their first film. And a lot of them say they'll, they'll never watch it again. I think it's a uh, Coen brothers say that I don't think they've seen Blood Simple. I read some interview with them. They hadn't talked about watching it in the, what, the 30 or 40 years since they've made it. And I can understand that having worked on something repeatedly. I can, I can, I can imagine, but I, it must be, just, yeah. you know, so good for you to know that it's, it's finally going to go out there and, the audience i'm excited yeah i mean shutter is great i mean i I mean i was already a huge fan of shutter anyway i mean they have brilliant even uh documentaries on horror and uh and such a a, a huge lots of different types of horror but in that subgenre there's stalker and there's haunted house movies and comedy horror so uh yeah we couldn't have a better um I feel really lucky that we're there. You know, I don't think we could have yeah. a better home than on Shutter. So I'm, I'm delighted that it's in there, that it'll be there in the mix. I know we'll have a week now where we'll be the, uh, the, the film that'll be, um, I guess, mainly promoted because it's the new one. But then it's still going to be amazing for me just to be able to see it there with all those other really cool titles. Yeah, That's it's definitely it. an achievement. 
it'll be there yeah. with the, the, the classics. So you, you're, you're yeah. in good company. Yeah, that, that's it. Perfectly said. Yeah, it's, it's good company we're in. Yeah. Well, Damien, I think I've, I've taken up more than enough of your time. So thank you for uh, for talking today. And excellent. I had I had a great time with it, and yeah, I, I wish you all the success with it. And I'm really looking forward to the next one too. Thank you for listening to this Movies in Focus podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to tell your friends about it. That's it for now. I'll see you next time.